Hello. Welcome to jasonnewland.com. My name is Jason Newland. This is Let Me Bore You to Sleep. Please only listen when you can safely close your eyes. And Andre is in the background. Let himself be heard. He's annoyed with me because I gave him a bath. him a bath, he needed a bath, I mean, what can I do, he needed, I mean, if you'd have seen the colour of the water, now, admittedly, he produces oil in his skin, which some of the, the, the water would have been kind of from the oil in his skin that he produces, which kind of cleans his, cleans his uh, hair. It was still dirty. Oh. I think the cleanest part of him is probably his bum, which is weird, you know. And it's just because he's he's a, he's clean. But yeah, I just don't. Know. It was oh. Anyway, I run a bath, and it's not a hot. I don't ever put it high. So even when he's standing in it, it goes up to, doesn't even go up to his neck. You know, it's only, it's not high at all. I have to kind of push the water over him to sort of, uh, to dry it, to wash him off. Oh, my stomach made a weird noise. Oh yeah, did I say only listen when you can safely close your eyes? Okay. Um, so he's asleep. I run the bath. I've got a meal in the microwave. I took him out for a walk. First. And he's just gone to sleep after coming back for a walk. And it was a, a late, late walk. So I think, you know, okay, I'll run the bath while I'm cooking my meal. It doesn't take long to do a bath for in this. After about five minutes, the water was, there's enough water in there. and So I'll pick him up. And any other time, even if I'm running a bath for myself and I pick him up, it doesn't cause any problems. He knew. He knew. Because he was grabbing hold of me. Like really like his life depended on it. He was grabbing me so that I couldn't push him in, put him into the bath. Now if I had a bath full of water Normally, doesn't care, doesn't care. I'll pick him up. Sometimes I'll, you know, to give him a brush or just to like play with him and stuff. But he, he knew, instinctively he knew. 
and I was saying to him, it's okay, it's all right. So I put him in there and he's just straight away. He's not having it, he's very unhappy, didn't, didn't like it. So I try and do it as quickly as possible. I've got this shampoo that's especially for ferrets. So I give him a good old shampoo through and rinse him down and then I, I've got a towel to dry him off. But he wouldn't even, didn't want that, he just wanted me to let him go. So he, in the end I didn't dry him off properly. He jumped down and started running around frantically. Rubbing himself against everything, looking for every dirty part of the carpet so he could rub himself <laughs> against it to get back some dirt. Oh dear. And he's got this plastic plastic tube tunnel thing that he climbs through. He goes through it every day, a few times a day, just because he likes it. But now he sneezes, pretending he's got a cold. Look what you did to me. You gave me this cold. Well, it's not cold in there, so there's no way he could catch a cold. And um, I didn't know where he was. Because I was, I was going to just check if he was okay. and He wasn't. I know normally when he's at a bath, he hides. He hides from me. It's almost like I'm going to put him back in the bath. And he only has maybe two, three baths a year. I mean, he's dirty enough to need one every day, really, but it's no good for his coat because of the natural oils he produces. Maybe he has four a year, but it's, you know, it's only every two or three months. I just hear him in the background. He's just really, he's out to annoy me again. <laughs> Bless him. Anyway, what he did is, I was looking for him, because he, you know, he hides sometimes. And I'm waiting for him to do something to get his own back on me. Normally he does something just really a bit weird. Like, uh, does a poo in a weird place. Uh, you might think I'm joking, I'm not. One time I gave him a bath. And he... A couple of hours later, I was in bed. He climbed onto the bed. And he literally wiped his bum on the pillow. And normally he's so clean. It's almost like he did a poo and then he just clenched his bum. So he a little bit sort of clung on and he wiped on I mean... Never done that ever before. It's just, honestly, it was really just. I mean, if he did it all the time, I'd have to. I don't know what I would do. I'd have to keep him in a cage and stuff, or I probably wouldn't have fallen in love with him if he'd been doing that right from the start. But he's done it once, and it's probably. 
realistically, he probably didn't mean to, but I think he did. Other things he's done, he hides things. You know, hide his, hide his shoe of mine or something. Or they go to the toilet right in front of the sink. Or he'll push his water, bo- uh, water bowl over so the water goes everywhere. Or he'll knock something into the water bowl. That's always something. He's got something up in, up his sleeve. See, now he's just... He's looking really clean. He's really fluffy. His whole... You know, around his head and his neck and his body. Very fluffy. Looks lovely. Because sometimes it gets a little matted because of all the dirt he rolls around in in the, the fields and stuff. I'm constantly brushing him <clears throat> to try and, you know, smooth out anything and get rid of any little bugs that might have kind of grabbed onto him. It looks like he's actually eating the slipper. How you doing, mate? Are you okay? Wanna get up? No, he doesn't want me touching him. He looked at me like, no, no thanks. Yeah, I was looking for him and I found him. He was in my bed. This is probably 10 minutes after I gave him a bath. That's another thing he does. He dries himself off in my bed. So my bed is all wet now. Which is uh, another way he can get back at me. And I, I took the cover off because he was sort of in between the, the sheets or the, the quilt. And he looked at me and I gave him a kiss. And he said, it's going to take a lot more than that. I said, what do you mean? He said, for me to forgive what you just did. Give me a bath. If you just give me a kiss, it's not enough. You, you've got a lot more groveling to do. So I like, oh, I'll put the cover back over him, leave him alone, turn the light off. And I'm thinking, when did I get married? When did suddenly I'm married to him? He's telling me what I can and can't do and put me through a guilt trip. I was like, oh, brilliant. That's great. No, no, I will not put up with that. That's what he told me. He will not put up with it. So it's 2.23 in the morning. 2.23. And I haven't had any messages or anything from anyone. Here's a weird thing. Here's a headline. I'm the man who... I'm the man who ended Mike Tyson's career the first time. 
you know what? It's, this bloke says, I'm the man who ended Mike Tyson's career the first time. How hypnosis, a trip to the cinema, and a trainer's clever lies saw Irish journeyman Kevin McBride, McBride stun Iron Mike despite, despite almost losing a nipple. Okay, 15 years on, he's felling trees rather than boxes. Okay, first of all, Kevin McBride, he did knock Mike Tyson out. He did not end Mike Tyson. He didn't end his career because Mike Tyson could fight in the ring any time he wanted. And he would never, he would have an audience because he was a boxing superstar. So Tyson quit. You know, he stopped fighting after that. Didn't end his career. He just happened to be the last fight he had. He got knocked out by a few people. Tyson did. Then it says, McBride now keeps a low profile and is currently working with a tree surgeon. The Irishman recalls how he was told to smile every time that he was hit by Tyson. And McBride lost six of his next eight fights and retired in 2011 after alcohol addiction. He is now 10 years sober, describing it as a bigger fight than taking on Tyson. With Tyson poised to make a return to the ring, there is focus on McBride again. The man who beat the man is not so easy to find these days. I mean the man who beat the man. Oh. Lots of men beat the man. Tyson, Mike Tyson was beaten by Buster Douglas. He was beaten by Evander Holyfield twice. That stupid ferret. Will you just... You want to get, you want to get up? You can if you want. Do you want to get up? So Mike Tyson was beaten by Buster Douglas, Evander Holyfield twice. He was beaten by Lennox Lewis. He was beaten by... Uh, I forget his name now. Um, Danny Williams. And then he was beaten by McBride. So it's been six times. Is there anyone else beat him? I think that was it. Yeah. Stop pretending. Stop pretending to sneeze, Andre. Stop it. You're not fooling anyone. You're doing that on purpose just to annoy me. Stop it. You know I'm making a recording. A chew, a chew. It's not even even close to proper sneezing. So, <clears throat> five people beat Mike Tyson. 
So it's not the man who beat the man. He's one of five men that beat the man. Trying to think if anyone else beat him. Nothing, that was it. Yeah. Pretty, pretty sure that was it. So he got beat six times by five different people. Not all five people beat him six times. He got knocked out by Buster Douglas. He got knocked out by Amanda Holyfield. He got knocked out by... Lennox Lewis. He got knocked out by Danny Williams. And he got knocked out by... Kevin McBride. I know my boxing. Kevin McBride is very tall. He's about 22 foot tall. Seriously, really tall. And... I don't even know why Tyson took the fight. Why was he fighting somebody that was not even known when he could have gone into a fight of a big, big opponent, you know, well-known opponent, any time he wants? He could even now. Mike Tyson's coming out of uh, retirement for some reason. He could have... A $50 million fight next month if he wanted to. You know, if with if someone else came out of retirement, like Andy Holyfield, or which apparently he is, or if Lennox Lewis came out of retirement, or if Deontay Wilder wanted to have a fight with Tyson, that would be the most exciting fight the build up and the anticipation of it even though Wilder would knock him out just because he's so young I mean well 20 years younger it's just you know it, it just it would be an unfair fight but exciting from that angle I think the only problem with someone in their 50s training to have a fight is what if he twists his ankle or something? Because it's not like in your 20s when everything kind of heals quickly. You know, I've noticed that as I've got older. A little sprain seems to turn into a... Okay, that's another year out. That's another... You can't be fighting in the ring in your 50s. It's just silly. But people still pay to watch it. It will be a huge fight. Whoever, whoever, Andre, I've told you, stop pretending to sneeze. He's pushing my buttons today. He really is. You keep that up and you... I told you, I'm putting you on. That wasn't even close to a proper sneeze. That was just... In fact, that was a human sneeze. I'm putting you up for adoption, Andre. I told you. You'll be adopted. He said, yeah, who'd have me? Anyone would have you because you're so cute. They'd think that you're beautiful... 
It's that bath. Doesn't like it. I think it's probably the shampoo. It might have um, got up his nose a little bit. Although I didn't, you know, I try. I avoided his face. I did the top of his head, but I didn't. Is is no at no point did his face go under the water. And because I'm holding him the whole time, I don't just leave him in the water. I'm holding in the bottom of him, even though the water's very um, shallow. So his face never goes under there. He never gets any water or soap in his eyes, or in his nose, or near his mouth. But him, he's been licking himself. As soon as he got out, he was licking himself, and I guess maybe. And also, I might not have got all the shampoo out because he was such a handful, shaking around and causing a kerfuffle, big old drama. That maybe I didn't get all the shampoo out of his, uh, out of his fur. I hope I did. And that was just a little. Baby sneeze. He was trying to get a proper sneeze out there. He thought, I've got at least one more, one more pretend sneeze. He couldn't. It just came out as a normal ferret sneeze. Me and you are going to fall out. If you keep this up, you'll back it on the naughty step. He is, I don't know why he's like this. I think, I mean, he's five years old nearly. Well, maybe he's going through puberty. Maybe he's, well, no. Looking at the state of that, that slipper on, on the floor, that slipper. He went through puberty a long time ago. In fact, in any other situation, he'd be doing, well... I'm just saying that the evidence, that slipper as evidence, he'd be in prison for a very long time. That's, he's, uh So, I downloaded a book on Audible today called Cyber, uh, what is it called? I've read it before, but I've never listened to it before on Audible. And this is something that I'm doing a lot of at the moment, because I just love to learn new things and to, you know, to kind of go over stuff I already know. Uh, Psycho-Cybernetics. And it's a book that I read back in... In fact... A friend of mine, when I worked at Churchill, back in 2000, and it was 2001, it might have been 2002 that he lent it to me, but probably 2001, because I started in September, and he was on my training group, so we all, he started at the same time as me, eventually he left, um, but... I was I got really well with him. 
and he was from, where was he from? Birmingham, I think. And he, he lent me a book because he was also had a sales background, but more so than me, although I'd studied sales for, well, since the age of 18, I've been studying sales all the way up to the age of 30 when I started actually doing sales. So 12 years, it just interested me. Never actually had a sales job up, um, up to the age of 30. Tried a few different jobs, but it was always, they back in them days, there was no minimum wage. There were no laws. There were laws. I don't mean no laws at all, but there was no laws as far as the minimum wage goes. Which meant companies could take people on, pay them nothing except commission, and expect the person to go to work every day, dress nice, get to work, as well as pay their rent, their food, all the stuff without actually getting any money in the hope that they'll sell something. So it's a win-win situation for the company because if they get someone that doesn't sell anything, they've lost nothing. If they get someone that's really good, it's really, really good for them. Everyone wins. Of course, the company always wins more, but you know, was it the? There's a saying, isn't it, that a salesperson, being a salesman or a saleswoman, is the highest paid job, or the lowest paid job, depending on, you know, how good you are, or what you're selling. I realised years ago when I was doing the insurance, I was selling about half a million pounds worth of insurance a year. And I was taking home, not taking home, but I was earning £24,000 for half a million pounds worth of insurance. That's, uh, I mean, that's less than 5% commission, isn't it? Was it 4% commission? Something like that. And that's that's not the bonus. That was the whole wages and everything. So, you know, I'd get a basic. The commission was half what I was earning. So I was doubling my money from 12 to 24. So 24 grand, out of 12 grand, 12,000 pound bonus, 12,000 pound basic. Which means my bonus was about 2% of what I was actually selling. Maybe 2.5%. When if I was a salesman selling something good, you know, something, a big ticket item, as they would call it in sales, such as, I don't know, like a, a yacht, a car, you know, you know, expensive cars or uh, mansions and stuff, I'd be on 
maybe 10% commission. Maybe not that high with houses actually. But with double glazing, with windows, they could be on 10%. So I'm not sure. I mean, if a mansion's worth 30 million, 10% of that, or it's 3 million, I don't know if that seems like a lot of money. Well, it is a lot of money, but maybe, yeah. So I kind of, if I could go back, I think I would have, I like the idea of maybe have looked into better things to sell. Like a yacht, you know, big yachts. Or huge office complexes. So, you know, something where there was money, proper, big money to be earned. Because I think, from a sales perspective, if you're going to sell, you might as well earn a lot of money from it. You know, I didn't really feel that at the time. I was, I just loved the idea of being good at something for the first time ever. And also having, I'd accomplished a dream because I'd wanted to be a salesman from the age of 18. And suddenly at age 31, I was, well, 30, I was successful. In sales, I was actually good. And I'd attempted probably about eight or nine different sales jobs during my 20s, all commission. And I didn't like, really like them. And one was for like, oh, I was, you know, the very first sales job I ever had was when I was very, 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 19, I think. Yeah, I think I was 19. Or 20. 19? 19, I think. And I did this job, and it was selling... What do you call it? Holiday homes. What do they call it? Um, where you sort of... You buy two weeks a year get the name of it now but I did that and I liked it I kind of liked it but there was no basic money and they were not fussy who they took on to do it it was a case of it was a numbers game for them take on everyone that that phones up to wants to work there until they find someone that's good at it and they keep them on and you know it's that kind of sales is a numbers game but then in some ways all sales is if you if you ask enough people the idea is you know if you ask if you knock on enough doors phone enough people you will get the sales no matter what you're selling someone will buy 
if it's you know decent. Or some people will buy even if it's not. But that doesn't appeal to me. What appeals to me, because I'm, I'm not, I'm not a moral person, but I kind of am at the same time. Uh, I'm very, and that used to annoy the people at the insurance company because I wanted to treat people. It's not that they didn't want to treat the customers correctly, but I wanted to go out of my way to help the customers which was not what I was supposed to do. And the way I figured it is if, if I could knock £20 off a price of insurance and the customer comes with me, then that's worth doing that. But when I was at Churchill, they wouldn't. They weren't as flexible... I had quite a lot of good offers and different discounts, but sometimes it's worth being a little bit more flexible and they weren't as flexible as I needed as a salesperson. Sometimes you do need a little bit of flexibility. We need a lot of flexibility, actually. Um, but yeah... I'm thinking of writing, this is is weird, but I'm thinking of writing a book on how to work in a call centre, selling, how to sell in a call centre. Make it very broad so that anybody could use it. So anybody that works in a call centre and sells something, that they can gain something useful from the book. Or from the course, maybe I'll put it on Udemy or Udemy. I don't know how you pronounce it as a free course or something, and just make a few videos and put a few little uh, downloads, you know, written stuff that they can download. And I've got loads of ideas just from learning, just from what I've learned in the past. Some do's and don'ts, just some useful tips which will always stand up now and in, you know, and if people in call centres in 20 years' time, it will still be useful as it would have been 20 years ago or 100 years ago. Well, I don't think we had call centres 100 years ago, but the basic, basic stuff like, you know, being nice to the person on the other end of the phone, and it might seem obvious, but be amazed at how many people aren't. You know, it's amazing. Like, oh, you're not going to sell anything to someone that you're rude to. Even if they've been rude to you, you're not going to sell anything to them. But, uh, yeah, so I, I had a job where I was selling till rolls. Again, I think that was mainly. I think that was mainly uh, commission, but there might have been a, bo- uh, a basic on that as well. But I'd phone people up out of the phone book, which is out calls was never my favourite thing. Didn't really enjoy doing out calls, and that's all I ever did. 
before I got to the insurance. When I got in insurance, the calls were coming in. It was like, wow, that's a different world. These are people, basically qualified leads in a sense. They, they're calling in, so there's a degree of interest there. Even if they are just wanting quotes, still, you know, they're not some, they're not at a funeral or a wedding when I've called them, which used to, has happened to me in the past. So, I don't know, I just put, put together a little course. It might be quite fun. Do it free. And maybe, maybe that could be my next thing that I do. Put together some courses for people on Udemy. As I said, for free, so it's not, no one have to pay nothing for it. And then... Uh, some maybe pain relief techniques or some relaxation techniques or maybe a little bit about hypnosis. Um, yeah, I think that might be fun. And then perhaps write a small book connected to the course. So like a 100 pages. I mean, technically I could just talk a 100 pages between now and when I go to sleep. Yeah, you know, that's not even. I know I can because I've done it. I've actually, I, I have, I've um. In the past, I've not a hundred pages, but I know that I can talk. I know. Um, you can write a lot as well. You can get. I can, yeah, I can easily write twenty pages every day if I wanted, without too much effort. But it might be a load of rubbish. That's the problem. Because I can do stream of consciousness. Well, I guess I've kind of proved that in a way. I can do it verbally, but I can also do it writingly as well. Writingly. I can do it on paper also. But I haven't done it for quite some time. Uh, I did it one time I really, really did it was back in 1997. I uh, had a bit of a huge thing happen in my life, and which I'm not going to go into actually. Um, and I did. I probably spent about two weeks writing, just like all day, just writing in this big pad, and it was just writing and writing, and it was a lot of it was just absolute nonsense, but I was just writing down how I was feeling, and then writing down how I was feeling now, and then writing down how I was feeling about writing down how I was feeling, and then, and then, and then, you know, just on and on and on. And I don't know how helpful it was, but it seemed to be a little bit helpful. I think it was useful. So, I thought about trying to get in contact with an old colleague of mine called Jody, 
uh, who's I worked with him in two of the insurance companies and he was better than me at, at selling and in both both companies I just couldn't match him he was way better but I was kind of there wasn't many really anyone better than me other than him in the second company there was but it was a little bit it wasn't really I'm not saying it wasn't a real company but it was a little bit um, uh, wasn't by the rules the way they'd sell so they'd give one price and then they'd change the price and they'd you know they'd get it'd be sort of trying to get us to be a bit um, market stall like haggling-y kind of, you know, haggling and stuff and that's not really my style what I want is a price I can do a little build up to the price and I can you know work on that but I need a price I don't need something and say well it might be this price but it won't be that price in two hours time I wasn't comfortable with that and that's what they used to tell us to tell people take the price now otherwise it will change won't be the same in a you know it's like oh but Churchill didn't do that Churchill was just very straight down the line and but when I was at Churchill Jody was the only one that was better than me I mean statistically and statistically I was better than him on some level he just sold more. He was quicker. My conversion rate was way higher than his. As far as um, calls to sales or quotes to sales, I'd sometimes I'd be forty-eight percent. Like it's quite high to get nearly fifty percent of of quote to sale. Sometimes it'd be less than that, you know, 24, 25%, which is still pretty amazing. But other people could get more sales, but their quotation to sale ratio might be 8%. But they'd, they'd wish through the sale, through the quotation, get rid of the people that they knew weren't going to buy. And you can tell, not always, but, you know, quite often. You can't get an idea. But that's another thing is you got to pretend that everybody's going to buy. you got to assume that everybody in a sales environment, you've got to assume that every customer is going to buy. got to assume it. Because as soon as you start thinking, oh, they're just messes. They're just messing around. They're not, they're not interested. First of all, you start thinking of them as human beings. <laughs> you start thinking of someone as being a messer and a, someone is wasting your time. Well, actually, they're not. That's your job, you know. They're customers. They might not buy now, but they may buy later. So that's that's something to remember. But I'm practicing on you. 
Don't, don't have a go at me. I'm practicing my my Udemy course on you. My sales course. Come on. You should be privileged. Please stop talking about sales. I could do other things. I mean, the... I could do... I suppose... Because with the Udemy, it's more teaching people how to do things. And there are stuff, there is stuff on there. How to, um, you know, relax, relaxation techniques and stuff. So I could do something like that. And maybe, maybe I'll look into it. I just, I think it'd be really groovy if I built up a little bit of following. Not following as in just people that like what I do and then they can maybe come here and listen to me on my podcasts and go to my website and stuff so it could be another way of <laughs> it sounds awful so almost like it could be another way to recruit people yeah recruit people into my cult no I said cult c-u-l-t um, I just, I don't know, I, I was looking at it earlier, because I'm on Udemy and I've got a couple of courses. Um, I think one's CBT for uh, anxiety and stress, and another one's um, hypnotherapy course, uh, training course. I just, I like to learn, I like to learn, even though it's stuff I already know sometimes. Uh, I think one sentence, one sentence can be worth the price of a course. Unless a course costs thousands of pounds. Mind you, if that one sentence changes your life for the better, uh, it could be worth it. Which is why I like to read books and listen to the... um, Audible books because I don't know, I just something about listening to positive talking, you know, positive speech that really is, I find it useful. It's I find it almost healing in a healthy way. I'm not trying to sell Audible or anything else to anybody. And why I'm not. I'm not affiliated with them. But I just... I've been listening to positive, motivational tapes, CDs, since I was about 27. Well, earlier than that, I used to live to listen to Buddhist meditation CDs when I was about 23, 24. So I was very much... So I've been into the motivational self-help stuff for... What's that? 20, 22 years? So it's not a new thing to me. It's just I go through periods 
don't listen to the stuff and periods when I do. And all my tapes and CDs have gone. I don't have any of them anymore. But I've now got a nice little collection on uh, Audible. Plus iTunes has quite a few different things you can listen to as well. The only thing I'm not a huge fan of with the iTunes is they've got a lot of albums that have got music. I'm going to explain what I mean there. I'm not talking about music albums. I'm talking about motivational speakers with music in the background. Uh, And it's like a music mix and the talking isn't even proper talking. It's talking within echoed. It's like, um, you are what you think about. Think about, think about, think about. You are what you think about, about. Think about, about. You are, you are. What you, you are, you are. Think about. That kind of stuff. And it doesn't do it for me. I just like to hear just the speaking personally. And uh, so I I found quite a few on iTunes. And also there's quite a few. So, so Earl Nightingale. So again, I'm, I can't imagine anyone's going to listen to Earl Nightingale because I said so. Well, I, I said I like him. And it's very, if you, if you can get past the, the fact that it's very old. The recordings are very old. We're talking probably um, um I don't even know how old. You know, probably nineteen thirties even. A long, long time ago. Uh maybe later, maybe but you know, there's, it's the same period of as he, when uh, Henry Ford was around. Is it Henry Ford? You know, the, the car man. In fact, let me just check. Let me check. What's the point in having this thing here if I don't check? So let me just check. Um, Earl Nightingale. Earl Nightingale. Nightingale. Oh, Nightingale. So, no, I was way out. I was way out. Uh, he was born in 1921, died in 1989. So, he... It says here, how did Earl Nightingale die? And the answer is, complication. Who was Earl Nightingale's mentor? Okay, let me have a look, yeah. So, Earl Nightingale... The strangest secret 
which is one of the audios that I listen to very regularly. It's from 1957. Isn't that interesting? Because he was born 1920. So he was only 36. He was 36 years old when he made The Strangest Secret. He sounds about 104. He's got a proper man's voice. It doesn't sound like someone in his 30s. He really sounds like, like, I don't know. But, it's a recording from the 50s, so it might not actually be, you know, who knows, it might have been, it might have sounded a lot different in person. But Earl Nightingale, amazing. Can't believe he was still alive during my lifetime. I just, I don't know why I thought that he was... So how old is he then? So 1921, 31, 41, 51, 61, 71, 81. So he's, wow, that's not very old, is it? Wow, I don't like that. Wow. That's not fair. So 1921, 31, 41, 51, 61, 71, 81, takes him to 60, then to 89. So he's only 68. Not fair. Anyway, I mean, I don't know much about him as a person or his life or anything, but all I know is I think cause I listen to him every day, have done for quite a while, and there's quite a few different recordings that he's done, and one of them is. The Strangest Secret. The number one is Lead the Field. The Essence of Success. Um, uh, it's another one. Well, it's lots. He did a lot. Wow. I've actually got, I think, a couple of his books. Anyway, he's kind of... He's one of my secret little heroes. <laughs> secret little heroes. He is. Because, as I said, if you can... I noticed that when I move around to the chair... You can actually hear it, can't you? You can hear the... There you go. 
if you can get over the the thing that he's it's nineteen fifty seven or is in the fifties. I suppose some of the recordings were in the sixties and seventies as well, maybe eighties. But he's you know society was very different back then, and he talks mainly he's talking to the men not to women although he's not he's not like being he's not being sexist or anything he's just in 1957 in America it was the it was pretty much the nuclear family wasn't it uh, sort of seemed to be the norm but It's, I don't know, I think it's just, it's really amazing stuff. Because what he says is just so true. I'm not going to sort of tell you what he says, because it's a secret. <laughs> but it's not. Not really. But it's, I don't know. I like it. And... I listen every day because, you know, it's also Napoleon Hill, Bob Proctor, Jim Rohn. Um, also started listening to, who have I started listening to? Let me have a look. Brian Tracy. <sighs> So I've listening and Jack Canfield, um, Norman Vincent Peel. Listened to one of his books earlier in the week. Uh, David Schwartz, The Magic of Thinking Big, Napoleon Hill, Think and Grow Rich, The Ultimate Jim Rohn by Jim Rohn. And what have I got? Sig Sigler, The Ultimate Sig Sigler. There's Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway by Susan Jeffers. So these are some of the books that I've got on my... I've got 27 titles on my Audible collection. And I listen to them. So I'm not collecting them. As a, it's a bit weird to have something that you can't actually touch. You know... But uh, ultimately, it's about hearing it. That's that's the only thing that a CD does, isn't it? It produces sound to listen to. So these books, I don't mind listening to an abridged version because you know it's especially if it's the the actual author reading because his abridged version will be probably a very good summary of the book because he wrote the book or she wrote the book but I also like to read I like to listen to the long version so this psycho cybernetics is 12 hours and 60 minutes long so I'll read that or listen to that over the next two or three days.
words. Yeah, that'd be cool. I've still got... I've still got 13 hours of the ultimate Brian Tracy to, to listen to. And uh, You Were Born Rich by Bob Proctor. Again, it's not about money. It's, you know, some of the titles, I think they do that in order sort of to get attention. Uh, I've also got another book here, No Excuses and uh, Ex- Existentialism. So this was, that's quite a long one, but I've only got three hours left there. But I finished most of them. And some of them I've finished and I've started over again. Like, It's Not About the Money by Bob Proctor. So same person who wrote You Were Born Rich. It's not about the money. So yeah, I do... I wonder though, would I have done this back in the late 90s? Because I liked buying them. I liked... I liked having the books, or not the books, the audios, you know, cassettes or tapes, depending, CDs, depending on what they were at the time. And I remember I used to, I'd go to work and I'd listen to them on my tape recorder. And then I'd, I'd always have a, a bag full of tapes with me. So I could listen to um, The Alchemist or Ken Livingstone Seagull. Or, uh, I think Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway was on my list. Back then as well. I'm trying to think what other ones I had. Oh, uh, Tony Robbins had a few of his books on audio. And I'll be listening. Yeah, I'll be getting more of his as well. The only thing I'd like there to be more of is... I'd like there to be more hypnosis stuff on Audible. And there's lots of hypnosis stuff as in to listen to to be hypnotised and I don't want that what I want is training books you know uh, academic stuff to listen to but there's very little I've got a couple and I've got three in audio format no four one and one's NLP so four five yeah not many But, you know, I'm sort of, if I could, I think I've got three or four of my books that are on audio as well, that, are, that I can listen to as well as read. And listening is just easier. Because I like to listen. I'm a very listeny, listeny person. Especially if it's the author's own voice. Now, I like that a lot. Sometimes. I think it is different. I suppose both complement each other, reading the book and listening to the audio. 
not at the same time, perhaps, because the audio is probably not going to be word for word. Vertebrim, vertebrim, vertebra, you know, might not be word for word, but so it wouldn't be so easy to follow. But I do, yeah, I wonder. So tired. I might have some ice cream. Anyway, that's that's kind of it for me, I think, for today, which is Tuesday, the 2nd of June, 2020. I know what I did. What I did is... This is yesterday I did this. It's too hot to sit in my shed and make recordings with clothes on. But I can't sit in there with no clothes on, you know. It's just... You might say, well, no one's ever going to know. I'll know. You know, I'll know. That's enough. I can't. So... I want to look at, uh, I could wear shorts, but they're a bit uncomfortable, a bit tight to be sitting down in. And I can't be topless because I've got nothing to attach the microphone to. So I was thinking, what can I do? I could maybe make some kind of necklace you know give myself a pearl necklace or some kind of uh, material I don't know I don't have a pearl necklace I don't have any kind of jewellery I've got no gold pearls are they they'd be worth some money would they I don't know so I don't have any jewellery so I can't give myself any can't put any kind of necklace on because I don't have any then I thought maybe if I've got some string I don't have any string. So I'm thinking, oh, what can I do? What can I do? I just realised I could wear a bra and stick the thing, but then... uh, I don't know. It just... It might... I think it'd be distracting. Um, So... Plus, you know, the whole point of being topless is to let the boobies swing and I like to just have that freedom I don't want them all you know I just, it's bad enough during the day when I've got to go out and have to wear wear my bra to keep everything in one place but just well not one place but you know nice, nicely separated and pert but I I wasn't sure what to do and then it it came over me. It's like, here's an idea. I'm going to do some fashion design on a t-shirt, which is what I did. I chose a t-shirt that's old, that I'm not going to miss. 
and that's also it's a little bit too tight so what I did is I cut the arms although it's only got like a sleeve that would go down not even as far as my elbow but it, you know it's always off the shoulder so I cut out that part so there's no longer any material on the shoulder on either side and then I cut a big loop to make it into a like a v-neck at the front so that the microphone isn't as so close to my mouth as it would be with a normal t-shirt so I was cooler so I was in there I still sweated but I think that's partly because I was wearing a woolly hat so that probably didn't help you know yeah yeah I reckon that cling film blanket Yeah, that wasn't a good idea. The thermal underwear. So yeah, maybe uh, this, there are changes I can make. What I was thinking is, if I do the same to a pair of my uh, tracksuit bottoms and cut out and turn them into shorts, not to go out in, but just to be around the house and to use so that my legs are uncovered, that should cool my body down enough so that I can be making more recordings in the shed. That's what I'm going to plan to do because it is fairly quiet in there, actually. The, the things that I can hear in the distance don't seem to be getting picked up by the microphone it seems to really mainly focus on me and my voice maybe a few like background sounds going on inside the room and if I'm not in a shed it picks up the birds a little bit as well I just uh I need to get a couple of lights in there so I can see what I'm doing. But yeah, I think it might be okay. I think it might be okay if I manage to get myself nice and loose and not as covered up as I have been. It might be a case of only being able to record one, do one recording at a time and then you know get out of there for a few hours and then go back in and spend half an hour doing a recording and then just leave but see Andre making weird noises again it wasn't too bad either because I left the window open in the bedroom and I forgot and still the background sounds were minimal so I was quite pleased. This was yesterday when I made a couple of recordings in there. So yeah, so that's it. This was an exciting recording. It's not supposed to be. It's supposed to be boring. Okay, yeah, but there's a limit.
No, there's not. There's no limit. It's supposed to be boring. Yeah, okay. So I'm going to go. Thank you for listening. Remember to be kind to yourself. Because you deserve to be happy. Bam, bam, bam. Wow, wow, wow. Lots of love.